Friends, as we approach God's word in scripture, let us do so with prayer. Let us pray. Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I'm going to start a little bit earlier echoing our scripture last week when we read from uh, Romans 12, 1 through 8. I do encourage you to bring your Bibles if you would like, or if you are worshiping from home, to have yours nearby to follow along. While we customarily read from the New Revised Standard Version this morning, I will be reading from the Common English Translation. Listen now for what the Spirit has to say to the people. We have many parts in one body, but the parts do not all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, We are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. We have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that have been given to us. If your gift is prophecy, you should prophesy in proportion to your faith. If your gift is service, devote yourself to serving. If your gift is teaching, devote yourself to teaching. If your gift is encouragement, devote yourself to encouraging. The one giving should do so with no strings attached. The leader would lead with passion. The one showing mercy would be cheerful. Love should be shown without pretending hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love one another like members of your family. Be best at showing honor to one another. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire as the Spirit, in the Spirit, as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you are in trouble. Devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and think that you are, do not think that you are better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who do not have status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability. Live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. 
Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, when I was in seminary, there were a variety of student positions, formal positions, that functioned like church around campus life. There was a student council that was like the church board. There were students who were deacons who served to support the social body, and especially when there were students who were coming into the life of the seminary community, new students, those deacons would help them get oriented. In the chapel office, there were students who functioned like ushers for daily worship, who also helped develop devotions and Bible studies and resources for the ongoing spiritual formation of students. There were some who were like a fellowship committee who created social gatherings and events and Other more academic students worked along various departments to form study groups or interest groups. Now, the more humorous of our student body gathered to hold annually was a weekend two-night event called the Theologiggle. It was like Saturday Night Live meets Sunday School. And run by seminarians, once upon a time, there was a very original song that was penned And it goes like this. I am the very model of a Princeton seminarian. When I arrived, it's true. I was a very boring Trinitarian. Pirates of Pizance, anyone? I was in the constructs of my heritage confessional, but now I can equivocate just like a real professional. I used to think in black and white, my doctrine was too Calvinistical. But now I know to claim absolute truth is egotistical. I thank thee, God, that I'm not a Hodge predestinarian. I am the very model of a Princeton seminarian. Now, academics aside, seminary was a lot like church, but with much stronger coffee, daily worship, and a regular menu of self-deprecating theological humor. Now, throughout my time in seminary, I did not participate in most of the more formal positions that the seminary had. There were students who invested their gifts in these, and mine, I began to find, were, were elsewhere. I guess maybe you could say I was not quite the standard model of a Princeton seminarian. My gifts took me in different directions, though. I connected with international students on campus and tried to offer hospitality for them far away from home, learning and and studying theology in a language not their own. I enjoyed when I got to take Kenyan sledding for the first time in their lives. I also connected with a local congregation and became their weekly fellowship coordinator. I got church members involved in the kitchen baking my legendary baked spaghetti pie on Wednesday nights, among other crowd-worthy recipes that were gleaned from the best of congregational cookbooks. 
although legendary might be a stretch. I really found my place, though, when I began writing cards and letters to my classmates and my friends. I remember a friend lonely after a few months of leaving home for seminary, studying summer Hebrew and the rigors of the academics in the department. He began to feel lonely, isolated, can't receive much contact from home or from his church or from friends in his life back home. I didn't really know how to support him other than to listen and I decided to write him a letter. You see, we had this fabulous inter-campus mail system where I could write letters and just put the campus box number and it would be delivered to other students. And all I had to do was open up our Facebook. Back then, Facebooks were actually a real book and you could open it up and it would give their box number, put it on there, no stamp required, and it would go right to that person. And then a light went off after this one experience of writing him a letter, so I began to write my classmates letters. We too often underestimate how meaningful these small connections can be for people. Wrote letters of support and encouragement, started listening closely to my friends and my classmates, recognized places where they needed support, and when it became known that I was the person increasing the volume of intercampus mail, I incurred the annoyance of a friend who was working in the mail office. So I wrote a letter of gratitude to all of them as well. And in the end, as they say, all was well. During my training as a pastor, I grew to recognize that God calls people to live their faith using their gifts. It's not something that we learn in the classroom. It's not something that books teach. It's not really a part of our doctrinal traditions per se. It's something that experience and relationships reveal to us over time. It sounds so simple to say. It is something that I think any person who has spent any time in the church knows that we use our gifts as an action and activity of our faith. And it's quite easy to write this off as obvious and not spend much time really on our gifts. But really, it's far too important not to engage the question of what our gifts are and what impact they have on people in our community. So when Paul writes to the church in Rome and reading from this chapter, chapter 12, his theology takes a rubber-meets-the-road kind of approach. Paul calls on the church to let go of conforming to the expectations of the world around us, and instead, Paul calls on the church to renew their minds in Christ Jesus. And what this looks like to Paul, in terms of Paul's understanding of what it means to be the church, is that 
people grow to recognize, to see the gifts that they individually have to offer the world and to cultivate them as a part of their life of faith. And similarly, we begin to do this with one another, understanding that others have gifts in the same way, different from our own, that need to be cultivated as an act of faith and be shared. And so we listen, we observe, we seek to know who God made us to be with the abilities that God has given us so that we might faithfully share them, not just with one another, but with all of our neighbors around us as well. Now, Paul identifies some of these gifts that the church might find among itself, from prophecy to teaching to generosity to leadership to sharing compassion, and Paul's list is far from exhaustive. At a glance, it almost looks like a grocery list, but we do not check these off as boxes. They are not one and done. As the body of Christ, as the faith community, we seek to cultivate gifts of all to be shared within the church and to open one another to the impact they can have on our lives and the lives of others. What strikes me most about this part of Romans is Paul's call to action. I feel like the church in Rome turned to Paul and said, but Paul, what do we do with these gifts? And so Paul offers some ideas. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil and hold on to what is good. Love one another and outdo one another in showing honor and respect. Offer hospitalities to strangers. Offer genuine hospitality. Bless the people who persecute you, who hurt you. Bless them and do not curse them. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Associate with the lowly, the homeless, the different. Do not claim to be wiser or smarter than you are. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not seek revenge. Live peaceably with all people, everyone, even the people who annoy you, even the people who are mean to you. Live peaceably with all. And whenever we face evil in the world, church, overcome evil with good. Paul knows that the gifts of the body of Christ have purpose, and that purpose is not to look good, not to be smart, not to receive honors or special treatment, not to be revered. No, the purpose is that our gifts can create an authentic life of faith within the body of Christ that renews the minds of the people, renews our hearts for one another and for God. And in doing this, 
We will not be conformed to this world when our gifts are used for hospitality towards strangers, when our experience is all focused on this renewing of our minds and our life, when we use our gifts to create harmony and unity and opportunity, when we build one another up to be the body of Christ together. And all this must begin with listening for our own gifts. There's a teacher named Parker Palmer. He wrote this terrific little book called Let Your Life Speak. It's a book about vocation, about God's calling, about finding gifts. It's often given to pastors, but it is not written for pastors. It is written for all people of faith, thinking about how we live out our gifts with the call that God has placed in our lives in whatever our vocation is. Palmer reminds us that the source of our gifts is deeply rooted in the identity and the life which God has given us. And our contemporary culture will often say that we we must look outside ourselves to find our gifts, to find what, what we might connect to and learn from and do. But I appreciate what Palmer's orientation is, which is to say that we look within ourselves. It's an echo of Paul. It's an echo of Paul saying that do not conform to the world. And so Palmer writes this, Before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. I must listen for the truths and the values at the heart of my own identity, not the standards by which I must live by, but the standards by which I cannot help but live if I am living my own life. And this is a life which God gives. A life that we live out because we are deeply rooted, deeply rooted in living our faith, not just speaking our faith, living our faith. In another Pauline moment where Palmer echoes this kind of language that that Paul is using as he speaks to the Romans, he says this, Seeking gifts does not mean scrambling towards some prize beyond my reach, but accepting the treasure of the true self which I already possess. And that true self, Palmer says, has its source in God, in Christ Jesus, that God has granted and given us to live from. But listening for gifts is not something that we do alone. Yes, inner exploration is an individual endeavor, but it is not a solitary one. Gift-mindedness happens when we live as the body of Christ, and if we live faithfully in God, such that we also have faith in one another, we begin to see the gifts that each person brings to the life of the community. We lift one another up in those gifts. We identify and encourage when we see God at work in one another. The author Frederick Beekner wrote in a similar direction. 
You may have even heard this once upon a time. Frederick Buechner writes that the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where deep gladness and deep need intersect, there is a place which God is calling the church, the body of Christ, to be. Our deep gladness are the gifts which God has opened in our lives, and we open ourselves to share. And the world's deep hunger looks like the need for love and for harmony and hospitality and compassion and so many other needs that Paul calls the church in Rome to serve and to look out for and to care for. So when we live as the body of Christ in this way which Paul describes for the church in Rome, we live at this kind of intersection where deep gladness and deep hunger cross paths. And so my prayer for all of you this week, my prayer for the church, is that we find ourselves at this intersection. My prayer is that you will hear God inviting you to open your gifts faithfully to people around you, to the world around you. My prayer is that you find someone warming their hands at the fire of the gifts which you have to share. And may they respond with joy. Thanks be to God this day and to the ages of ages. Amen.